Well, welcome to Mission in 5, the podcast, where we ask a handful of questions to ministry practitioners to learn more about who they are and where they see God moving in their community. I'm your host, Greg Manuel, and every week through my work with the American Baptist Churches in Nebraska and my ongoing writing projects, I get to partner with churches and ministry leaders. I'm always amazed at the many and varied ways that God works in our individual communities and when multiple churches come together for mission and ministry. So, that's the purpose of this podcast, to share the many things that God is doing and to meet some of the people participating in God's mission in Nebraska, across the country, and around the world. My guests today are Nolan and Amanda Hayes of First Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. Nolan is the senior pastor and Amanda is the director of the foster care closet. Now, while each of them are called individually to serve in their unique ministry roles, they are also a married couple who have found fun ways to minister alongside one another in Beatrice since 2017. They are also the parents of four children. In addition to his role as pastor of First Baptist Church, every single summer Nolan serves as the camp pastor to junior camp at the Moses Merrill Camp and Conference Center. I really enjoyed my conversation with this ministry power couple and hope that you enjoy getting to know Nolan and Amanda Hayes as well. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah. So let's just jump right in. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So tell us what you're into and if you have any hobbies or interests, but uh, mostly just introduce us to who the Hayes family is. Uh, we do enjoy, well, I enjoy uh, basically anything Nebraska athletics related. Okay. Uh, that's that's a fun hobby of mine. And and then things kind of came to a screeching halt once we started having kids. And yeah. so uh, now we just basically go day by day trying to keep our head above water. That's fair. Anything else you want to add to that? Uh, we just have a really, yeah, full full life with four Young kids, Asher's seven, Lydia's five, Ezra's three, and Josiah is one. So they keep us really busy, and pretty much their hobbies are ours at this moment. Although I think Nolan still finds plenty of time for Nebraska athletics. So, <laughs> so what? What Nebraska athletics get your attention the most? I'm going to assume it's football. You know. It's hard to say no to Nebraska bowling. Really? I mean, no, it's very easy to say no to that, but <laughs> <laughs> they tend to win a lot. So that's actually just fun to check up on. But yes, Nebraska football, that, that moves the needle for me. That's a lot of fun to, to get invested into. Yes. Yeah. But you follow the volleyball, the baseball, all that kind of stuff. We do. We yeah. do. Yeah. Yes. It's, we follow it. I, I follow it, but as far as like the emotional, you know, about the, um, I can't say crying cause I don't think that's happened in quite some time. Uh, but yeah, you know, those, those, those emotions of, of, uh, from up or down, uh, that level of emotion that comes with football and, and not the others. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to be honest. I was a little disappointed when the Razorbacks beat the Huskers in the regional baseball tournament the other day. And uh, I was, was too. I was a little bit of a letdown. Amanda, I don't think Amanda even knows that yet. So I was less disappointed. <laughs> but I did follow the volleyball this year. Well, okay. and, yeah. And prior. And I was pretty disappointed they didn't make it farther. But yeah. There's always next year. There's, that's that is the greatest <laughs> mantra in sports. There's always next year. <laughs> Very good. 
Well, tell us a little bit about how you came to be at First Baptist Church in Beatrice. Maybe a little bit about where you came from and then how did you feel your call to ministry and then get connected with the church? I'll start with um, years, a long, long time ago. Um, So we were living down in Georgia at the time and I had this internal you know, there's this, this, this internal feeling. And, and I know that's not the most uh, theological way of saying it, but I just had this really strong internal urge that, that I needed to pursue the pastorate. Yeah. And at that point in time, I was working at a daycare down in Georgia and Amanda was working with adult and mental health down in Georgia. And so we were five years married at that point, And uh, we were satisfied doing the things that we were doing. We were happy with where we were at and, and you know, the, the people that were around us. Um, with, with that, I know we were also, for those five years, we were, it, it was really heavy on Amanda's heart that she really wanted to have children as well. And, and that just wasn't happening in those first five years. And, and, uh, and so when I told Amanda down in Georgia in the living room of our apartment, I was like, you know, I really feel like I need to pursue the pastorate. And I I think seminary is probably a good starting point in that process. And so I started applying to seminaries and and I got accepted into a seminary. And it was probably no more than two weeks after that, that Amanda came to me with the news that she was pregnant with our first child. And so It was December 9th of my first year in seminary that Asher was born. And I will say, and I've said this before, um, seminary is great. Loved it. Kids are great. Love them. You mix the two, seminary with kids, not so great. Uh, Stressful, difficult, late nights, early morning. Yeah, all those fun things. Uh, for sure. But God was God was certainly teaching us a lot through those those years, and uh, when he's he's still teaching us a lot in it. But uh, they they were very trying years, and at the end of it, looking back, very thankful for how things played out. Uh, very thankful for how God led us through that path, and for the lessons that we learned in doing so. Yeah. Uh, since seminary, we have accepted the call to be down here at First Baptist Church in Beatrice, and have been serving here. And this is our first church to be pastoring and, and serving as pastor here for the past four and a half years. No one, uh, no one's experience in the call to Beatrice is different maybe than mine. We weren't necessarily, yeah, sure about how the call was going to work and what, um, what I perceived as, as what the first church for us would look like. And the reality of that, you know, it's just kind of, it's scary to take that first, that first call and figure out what's, the next step going to look like, but um, God was really clear with us after we visited here, um, and then the weeks to follow years ago that Beatrice was going to be our home, and yeah. so it's been very confirming since then to have God put people and situations in our path that's just continued to confirm our call and our purpose here in Beatrice. Um, so yeah, it's been extremely rewarding to be here. I, I know no one would say the same. Um, and yeah, we just, we really love it. Beatrice really feels the more that we're here, the more it feels like this is absolutely where we're supposed to be. And it feels like home. You seem to have a pretty clear call to ministry in your own right. 
Um, can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and how you've lived out that? What has that been like for you? And, and when did that calling arrive? Yeah, I worked for quite a few years with within the foster care system and re- leaving that job um, essentially to come here to Beatrice. Um, it was it was a good thing because I felt very clear, like I wasn't supposed to be working um, while Nolan took on being full time pastor and we had such young kids. Um, but I just couldn't shake that, like, God wasn't done with that particular passion of mine and that I wasn't supposed to completely walk away from, like, my connection with the foster care system, with foster parents and foster kids. Um, and so I had mentioned to Nolan, let's see, it was, like, early 2019 that my one of my long-term dreams was, we've got all this space at the church. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do something for foster kids or foster parents with some of the extra space in our church? Um, that wasn't being used and hadn't been used for a couple of years for sure. And so kind of floated that idea by Nolan, not knowing he was going to go take it to uh, a board and they would quickly approve on me to move forward on that dream that I thought, oh, we're going to save that till I have more time or the kids are all in school or something like that. Sure. Um, but things really took off from there that the church um, really kind of pushed me in the best way possible to pursue that. And it didn't feel like I actually had to do much work um, for that. To, um, you know, I, I didn't have to work very hard for um, God to just open continual doors for that to just unfold in ways that I couldn't have imagined at the time. I, I just kind of on a whim started handing out a few cards here and there about what we were hoping to start in Beatrice, which was. Um, yeah, this foster care closet, or that's kind of the idea it delved into um, to help serve the foster children and foster parents in our area. And the donations we received right off the get-go, the spring of 2019 were really overwhelming to the point where the church, the church saw to like, we have, we've hit on something here that people want to get behind and they're excited about. And so we actually rearranged several things. We had planned to just use the basement to do this ministry. Well, kind of in the process of receiving donations, church members decided, no, I think we should rearrange upstairs so that you have a more accessible location for your donation closet. And so they did a lot of work um, to kind of make that happen and support that to happen. So then we opened um, a used donation foster closet um, on our main level. I think our our open house was November of 2019 and had really good um, reaction from uh, DHHS workers and from CASA members and people in the community and foster parents that used it. Um, And then shortly after I was contacted by the Lincoln foster closet who little did I know had so many connections across the state and, and they just operated um, a a very well-run program of providing brand new outfits and clothing to kids and making sure hygiene needs and shoes, socks, underwear, you know, all that stuff was provided to kids right away. So we started a partnership with them and, and used our downstairs space, which was still wide open um, for basically setting up a brand new store downstairs so we can serve kids in that way too. And then still use our, our donation closet, not only just for foster kids, but some kids that would maybe fall through the gaps for other services, kids that are home on trial reunification or kids who um, are still in a lot of need, but wouldn't qualify for some of those other services. That's a lot of information. I no, it's great. It's amazing. Um, 
Does the uh, foster closet have like an official title or a name? Yeah. So we just foster care closet of Nebraska. Well, uh, so foster care closet of Nebraska is our overarching um, kind of title, but we're the foster care closet Beatrice. Um, So our partnership, um, you know, with, with the foster closets of Nebraska has a location in Kearney and North Platte, um, Scott's Bluff, Lincoln, obviously, and then Beatrice. And so, um, so we're one of the, one of the closets. And so we collectively, um, you know, do our zoom calls and our meetings with the other site managers, um, every week or every other week to kind of see how we can continue to improve what we're doing to help foster kids and support foster parents. And, um, I just, I kind of look at the whole thing when I take a step back and think only God could have orchestrated, like what I felt like I was skilled at doing and enjoyed to do with a need that was in our community and that our church was really like such a support and pushing that to move forward. Um, to the point where like, I think maybe they need to say sometimes, like, maybe you need to dial back a little bit. <laughs> they know they continue to, to encourage and, and support that. Well, I don't know if you've talked about the community yet, but the response from the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. It has been where I've, I've done not a ton of, of community advertising and things like that, um, but have had such a outpouring of response from from people and then and then the people who have kind of caught the vision of what's happening here they go and tell other people and then they come and donate or they come and um do tours and things like that so it's really turned into something um that obviously i'm very passionate about um and just meeting the foster families and then the foster kids like we've made some really neat connections that I didn't know how many foster kids were really in our neighborhood, like kind of in our backyard that it's like, we don't just need the foster closet to connect with you. Like now we've made this connection and you're in our neighborhood and what can we do to help you? Um, Yeah. It's really opened some, some amazing doors. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, in addition to the uh, foster care closet, um, what are some of the other ministries happening at first Baptist church in Beatrice? Well, the exciting thing is, is that what I would call more of the normal ministries, the annual things that we look forward to each year, uh, we will be having VBS coming up in two weeks. And so that's a, a big thing. And, and uh, so we're, we're really kind of in frantic, well, I don't want to say frantic mode, but maybe that's a good word for it. In frantic mode about setup and preparations and, and all those fun things. Um and then just being able to to reinvest in, in the way that First Baptist of Beatrice normally does with a summertime camp with with the summer camp at Moses Merrill. And, and so that's, you know, that's coming on strong right now as well. And then we have the Christmas dinner. And so that's a community wide dinner that we have uh, for Beatrice and beyond to, to come in and. And on Christmas Day, it can be a, an exciting day of, of family and festivities and celebrations. And, it you know, praise God for that. But especially for individuals who don't have family nearby, um, who aren't able to celebrate with, with loved ones on that day. Uh, the Christmas dinner provides a community for them to enjoy food, fellowship, and, and just, just that, I want to say, that Christmas spirit on Christmas Day that maybe they would have missed out on. And so all of those things are annual things that we, we do, we look forward to, we're excited about. And 
this year more so than any, it's important to go into those and not take them for granted. Uh, especially after COVID and everything being shut down and the restrictions that were put on, on everything around us. It, it's, it's important to remember moving forward that everything we do, everything we're a part of, it's, it's a gift. And, and so we want to make sure that, uh, that we're doing it with all of our heart, with the focus of serving the Lord in mind. Very good. So you alluded to being at the Moses Merrill Camp and Conference Center um, this summer. Uh, can yes. you tell us a little bit about, more about what it's like to be a camp pastor and, and, and what it is that your role um, is out there? I, I, I will preface all of that by saying my own daughter attended your camp. My son will be attending your camp this summer oh, for the first pressure. time. And right. uh, you are a... Uh, a family favorite, to be sure. Our kids talk about you still. Uh, and so uh, tell us a little bit of what it's like to be a, a camp pastor at Moses Merrill during the summer. Well, so I think as camp pastor, it was so exciting to, to see and to meet these new kids and, and to have these conversations and discussions with them. It was a joy being able to, to go through biblical passages with them and, and to see their excitement. Uh, it was I mean, it's it's a true joy and something that that far more people need to get more involved in, if nothing else, than to just witness the excitement from these kids and and to see what God is doing in their lives, uh, and and how He is continuing to be with them. Um, and, and so to say that, I think I think as camp pastor, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of preparation into it. There there's a lot of investment in it. And I, I remember praying about like, maybe we've really made a mistake here. And bringing time. our kids. And bringing our kids. Not, not yes. participating sure, in the sure. camp, but bringing our kids to try to participate in the camp. Yeah. And I just heard God say, it was like day two where I'm like, I think we might lose a kid to camp because of like, yeah, maybe they're just not ready for this. And and I just felt God saying like, just wait it out. It'll just wait it out. And sure enough, like by the end of the week, like we saw just a transformation, not only in the kids that we were around that whole week and really got to know, because we tried to follow around everything that they did uh, to get really the full camp experience. Um, But then our kids did too. And like, so our really introverted daughter, like to see her like make connections with other kids, um, it was really special. And, and so, yep, it's, it's worth the stress and the, the work, but yeah, Nolan does, he does do a really good job connecting with the youth and, and making that like, not only in the teaching parts of, of camp, but also like that relational one-on-one with the kids through the week, which is really cool. So we do love to do that. Well, and as far as the kids go, so it, it was a huge joy of mine to see, especially some of the older kids in the junior camp and how how they would invest into our own kids. And so here we're going to camp to invest into their lives and, and uh, to hear their stories and, and uh, to see what God is doing in, in their families and in their communities and all the while. So, so we're going to camp with this mindset of how can we bless these little kids and, and be a blessing for them. And we left camp with a huge blessing to know that th- these kids, they, they just surrounded our little ones with, with love and support. And, uh, it, it really blew us away. And so, um, you know, camp is one of those things where it is a lot of work. It is intense. Um, but it's a huge blessing, uh, to be a part of. 
We love camp. So yeah. Well, we're looking forward to you guys going out there and um, being present with the students at junior camp again this year. Uh, what What are some of the things you're looking forward to as a family and as leaders in your various ministries as pastor and at the uh, foster care closet and anything beyond that? Yeah. Um, so the big one, well, maybe not the big one, the little one uh, that is most pressing of what you had said is uh just kind of our plans and vacation. And so just to share, so my sister lives in, in Greece and ever since COVID, she's kind of been stuck in Athens, Greece. And so she's hoping to make it home this summer. And so our summer schedule is filling up and, and getting busy. Well, it is busy, uh, but she is hoping to come at some point in July. And so uh, we are hoping to plan a family vacation at some point in July, understanding that with cancellations and uncertainties, um, things might not go as expected. So <laughs> all of that to say with everything is we're making plans. We're excited about things for the family, where we could go, what we could do. But we also need to be able to hold on to them pretty loose because nothing is for certain right now. Yeah. Um, but as far as what's going on, um, the the big thing for me, and, and maybe it, it's been heavy on my heart a lot recently. I just read a book by Francis Chan that was uh, called Until Unity. Mm-hmm. And in that book, yeah, that, that kind of hit me um, hit me pretty hard about how important it is to be unified in the spirit uh, as, as a church community. Yeah. And and especially in today's climate. I mean, you can't help but but turn on the TV or to read an article and to hear how somebody somewhere in our nation is divided about something. And, and we're not going to be able to stand divided. And so as a church, it, it's it's been heavy on my heart that as a church that we could be at the forefront to be the leaders of what it can look like to even though we don't have to agree on everything about everything uh, with with the pandemic and everything else going on, that we could stay unified together in the faith and, and to allow the bigger picture, uh, our, our unity in the spirit to press us forward and in, in showing especially our nation and our communities what that can look like. And so so for me, that's really a big thing is is to keep that unity as we worship, as we plan, as, as we do things in the community. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's just one of the, the big things that's on my mind and has been lately is, is uh, how, how passing conversations can be pleasing to the Lord and, and bring about a, a stronger sense of unity with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, that's that's really vital to I think coming out of the um, pandemic situation, and and you're not the first pastor to bring that up to me. I've been actually talking to several who have said that maybe coming out of this and bringing the church back together might be the hardest part. Um, is you've taken all these people who've been separated by crisis for the last fifteen months, and um, trying to bring them back together as a community has been uh, a challenge for, for pastors and church leaders of, of various stripes. And um, 
I, I was reading one time how N.T. Wright uh, was delivering a conference about um, one of the Pauline New Testament letters. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he said that Paul basically calls us to church fellowship and to unity. And a lot of churches can be in unity, but not have great fellowship. And some churches can have good fellowship, but not have unity. But the New Testament insists that we have both. And that's the great challenge is that we can all come together and still be divided technically. Um, and we can be agree on things, but if we're not doing joint ministry together, then we're kind of missing the point. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And so um, is that going to be a sermon series that's coming up for you? You think? Um, I'm going to say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, tell us how, as your fellow American Baptists uh, across the region and, and whoever listens to the podcast, how can we partner with you? How, what are some ways we can partner with First Baptist Church Beatrice? What are some ways that perhaps some of our churches could get involved in this foster care closet network, either locally at, at Beatrice, but then also churches, uh, you mentioned other towns, North Platte and other places uh, that have area ones, but what, what are some ways that we can come alongside you in mission and ministry? Well, I'll let you, well, while our kids are here, I'm going to let Amanda take that one first and, and talk about how to partner with the closet specifically. Okay. You, you talk about the closet for a second. All right. I, I think the biggest thing for us right now um, is just getting the word out okay. about what we're doing and that um, we want to make this kind of as easy as possible for, for foster parents to use, for foster kids to use. And, you know, the, um, kind of the domino effect of this ministry is to hopefully help and bless the workers that are involved, the the kids, the foster parents, um, the community, the church, like there's just a lot of areas that this is affected, but um, to try to get it out that, that this is what we're doing. Um, yes. People can always support financially, you know, our local closet, but then um, at a link in the foster closets of Nebraska, that, that has a trickle down effect for the rest of us. Um, okay. And so we, you know, we do accept donations a little differently than other closets because we have the um, kind of the state funded closet and then we have our own um, donation closet. Um, so, but that, but that is the thing to, to just keep spreading the word, you know, not just for the Beatrice area and the several counties, because we're not just Gage County that will, will serve, will serve anyone, um, you know, that would prefer to come to us versus travel all the way to Lincoln. So if it's yeah. a Southern County or whatever, um, they can certainly come to us, but, but really across the state, wherever the closest foster closet is, I mean, um, you contact the scheduling number, um, and they'll, they'll tell you which foster closet's the closest so that they can help serve the, the people there. So, well, for those who are listening, what we'll do is we're going to put uh, various web links inside the show notes. And so go check out those show notes so you can find ways to connect with the uh, foster care closets of Nebraska. Um, Nolan, how can we partner with uh, First Baptist Church and its mission and ministry as well? The the biggest thing is is just prayer. Keep praying, uh, praying God's will be done. Um, and, and then even just, and, and I know I haven't done the best job of this. And so I'm preaching to the choir when I say, just communicate. Um, yeah. Conversations go a long way. Sure. And and it's, it's always astonishing to me, and, and it shouldn't be, but it's always astonishing at how 
the littlest things tend to make the biggest impact on people. Mm. And, and so something just like a, a phone call out of the blue with, with no, no agenda, no, nothing specifically important that you need just, just to, to catch up, just to, just to yeah. chat. Uh, those things can go a long way. And again, I need to do that more myself and, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not lost to me that God has been moving here in Beatrice and in, in these past uh, past months. And, and I know he is in other communities as well in Nebraska and beyond. And, and so just to be able to hear what other people are going on, what's, what's going on there and, and, and what they're dealing with and, and, and how God has shown up in, in pretty magnificent ways. Uh, that's always encouraging to hear, but it's, it can be difficult to hear if we don't, call if we don't uh communicate with each other and so um i, I think just just uh communicating is, is going to be a big thing very good and i know i with the podcast it, it's like hey well you're doing that right here <laughs> so that's right yeah we've had we uh we've had thir- 14 guests on this season's podcast so if you'd like to meet some of the other pastors in the region or, or leaders around the country that are connected to Nebraska in some way, certainly go back through this season's uh, episodes and you get to know a lot about the pastors and leaders going uh, and what they're doing in Nebraska. Um, and then don't forget Region Expo coming up in October at First Baptist Church in Fremont. And then we also have the Fall Pastors Conference in October at Moses Merrill Camping Conference Center. Well, thanks so much, Nolan and Amanda for being part of our podcast today. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Likewise, keep up the good work. (laughs) Thanks. Well, thank you for downloading and streaming the latest episode of Mission in Five. Keep tuning in as we introduce you to the ministry practitioners engaging in God's mission through the local church in Nebraska and around our larger American Baptist community. Check out the show notes for contact information and links to our various guests. Subscribe to the podcast in whatever platform you like. Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play. We're on all the platforms. Whichever one you use, be sure to rate and review us so we know how you're enjoying the podcast. Send us ideas on who you'd like us to interview for future episodes. And feel free to support us through our abcnebraska.com PayPal link. Thanks, everybody. And have a great day.